0: Our Old Testament reading today comes from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, page 11 in your pew Bibles, or if you can't read your pew Bible, it's on the front of your bulletin today. First, join me, if you will, in a brief prayer. Father God, in the reading of this ancient promise to your faithful servant Abram, Bring to our remembrance how your blessing of him has indeed blessed all the families of the earth, even down to this day, and those of us here today. In the name of Christ, may we be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram,
1: Thank you, Rex. That's one of the most important passages of Scripture in all the Bible. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Because in it we find the covenant of blessing that God makes with Abraham. Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. God tells Abraham at the age of 75, when he's married to Sarah, who's 65 and, and still barren, that he will, if he will leave his household, leave his homeland, leave his friends, and go to the land that God will show him, and God is going to bless Abraham and, and give him a child, and, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. And of course, as we read the genealogy of Jesus that we find in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the very first verse in all of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of this Abrahamic covenant for the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. As a Jew, Jesus was a descendant of Abraham, and of course we know that Jesus came to to bless all of us, for Jesus invites all of us in Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, to come to him. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Jesus invites everyone from every tribe and tongue to come to him and to experience the blessing of his peace, the blessing of his presence. And so as followers of Jesus, we have been, like Abraham, blessed to be a blessing. But if I'm real honest with you this morning, I don't always feel blessed. Sometimes, the way life happens, I sometimes feel cursed, like Satan's trying to curse me. This last week, all three of my children were sick with a different disease my youngest boy, John, had a stomach bug. He was coming out both ends. It was not pretty. My middle daughter, Elizabeth, had a sinus infection, and my oldest daughter, Hannah, had bronchitis. And then later in the week, John decided to share his virus with Hannah. So she, not only did she have bronchitis, but she had the stomach bug. It was a bad week in the Griffin household. You ever felt like you're under attack? Like Satan's coming after you? As I was preparing this message, I, I, Hannah, my oldest daughter, reminded me of the time that we were in Honduras together on a mission trip. And uh, we were helping build a preschool, a uh, Christian preschool for this village in Honduras, right on the coast there, on the east coast of Honduras. And we took lunch on the coast there, and some of the kids, including Hannah, decided to, to swim into the Gulf Coast there. And so they began to swim and have a great time. And then all of a sudden, she swam through a school of jellyfish. Yeah, you know how that goes. All the screaming and she was stung all over. We didn't know what to do. Fortunately, some Honduras children grabbed some limes, began to cut them, and began to spread the acid of the lime juice onto her wounds so that it wouldn't hurt and burn so badly. Well then Hannah was sitting there trying to, you know, nurse her wounds and, and we gave her a little more food to eat, so while she was snacking, she noticed these other little Honduran children that didn't have anything to eat, they looked very hungry. And so she noticed that we had a few extra bags of chips, and she thought, well, I'll go give this food to these Honduras, Honduran children. So she was carrying these bags of food to these needy and hungry kids. She walked by the work site where we were hanging shutters, and all of a sudden, this big gust of wind caught a shutter we had just put up in. Bam. She got hit right in the face. Oh, my gosh. Started to bleed profusely. We couldn't get it to stop. We had to take her into a medical clinic in Honduras. She got cut right under the nose. She saw the needle come in to, like, numb it. It was not, I mean, everyone could hear her in the village. Like, ah, she did not want that. It was painful. It was tough. And at the end of the day, after she'd finally been stitched up and the blood stopped flowing and the burns stopped burning, she said, you know, I learned a big thing today. And she was telling this to our whole group. She said, you know, when you're doing the Lord's work, Satan is going to try and stop you. But you've got to keep pressing on. Amen? (laughs) You got to keep pressing on. Ever feel like that? Like Satan's coming after you and you just got to keep pressing on? Like that week when you have the unexpected car repair and the unexpected home repair all at the same time? Or those weeks when everybody in the house seems to be sick with a, a different disease? Or that week when the dreaded layoff comes, or the relationship ends, or that horrible diagnosis comes, or the loved one dies? We can begin to feel like we're under attack and we're saying, God, why? Why are you allowing this to happen? You're sovereign over all of of heaven and earth. Why don't you control this? Why are you allowing these bad things to happen? In Genesis chapter 12, we can see that Abraham has been blessed to be a blessing. But if you read the entire story of Abraham, you can see that life for Abraham was not easy. In fact, in that very same chapter, if you just continue reading through Genesis chapter 12, you'll see that. He does what God asks him. He he goes to a land that God shows him. He goes to the promised land. But soon after being in the promised land, a horrible famine comes and he has to escape to Egypt just to survive. Abraham is told when he's 75 years old that that one day he's going to have a son. He has to wait 25 years until the son of the promise, Isaac finally comes. Abraham's... Life was a mess. Yeah, he had some money, but, but relationally, his life was a mess. I mean, twice he lied about his marriage. That's never good. He, his wife had conflict with his stepson, Ishmael. That was a mess. And he had a nephew, Lot, that he was having to bail out. Risk, at the risk of his own life, he had to bail Lot out. Yes, life for Abraham was anything but easy. But he kept pros- pressing on. He kept following God. As we continue our journey through the story the grand narrative of the Bible, and we're in the book of Acts reading the story of the Apostle Paul. We can see that Paul's life was messy too. It wasn't easy, but he kept pressing on. The Apostle Paul, in his ministry, missionary work, was flogged and imprisoned multiple times. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned and left for dead. But he continued to press on. People even questioned his apostleship. People in Corinth, they, he helped bring the faith in Christ. They were questioning his leadership. But Paul kept on preaching the gospel of grace. Paul kept believing. Paul kept following God's call and pressing on. But why? Why didn't Paul and Abraham just quit and say, Lord, I'm done. I'm through. Find somebody else to do your bidding. I'm done. This is too hard. Why did Paul and Abraham continue to follow God's call? Life wasn't easy for, for Paul and Abraham. It's true they were blessed, but but where can the the true blessing of God be found? It certainly doesn't mean life's always going to be easy. It wasn't easy for them, and it's not going to be easy for us. Jesus says, in this world, we will have trouble. We can take heart, He's overcome the world. Yes, where is the true blessing of God found today that Abraham and Paul came to see? To find out where the true blessing of God is found, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 17. Before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that you inspired Luke to put pen to paper so that we might have the the written story of your earliest church, the Acts of the Apostles. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit who guides us today. We pray, O Lord, that by your spirit you would guide us this morning so that as we read your word you you might speak to us afresh and anew that we might hear what you want us to hear. That we might have hearts that that are open and transformed at the reading and the preaching of your holy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Acts chapter twenty beginning at verse 17. Listen to the word of, of the Lord. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. I want to pause there just for a moment, just so we can get a sense of what we're talking about. Here's a quick map to show you the distance between Miletus and Ephesus. Paul is in Miletus and he's asking the elders in the church in Ephesus to come and to to visit him. It's a distance today of about 50 miles on a highway and in a car that wouldn't take too long to get there but but actually by foot it would have taken several days to get there back then in the first century. So why Paul who's in Miletus on his way to Jerusalem on his third missionary journey, why is he insisting that the elders from Ephesus come and, and visit him? What is it that Paul needs to say? Well, Paul knows that he's on his third missionary journey and he knows that he's going to Jerusalem to deliver a, a generous gift from the Gentile churches to the Jewish church in Jerusalem. He, he's excited to bring the gift, but he also knows that he probably won't go to Ephesus ever again. For the Holy Spirit has told him that he's, he's going to be arrested and, and probably persecuted. And, and this may be the end of the road for Paul. And so he wants to see the elders in Ephesus one last time, to say goodbye, but also to give them one last instruction, a critical instruction that they need to hear, to see what Paul wanted to say to the elders in Ephesus. Let's continue reading. And when they came to him, the elders came to Paul, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God, of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem. Constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now this is the only speech in the book of Acts where Paul speaks to exclusively Christians. He's speaking to the leaders, the elders of Ephesus. And he wants to make sure that, they, that they're ready, that they're prepared for the trouble that's coming. And so in verse 28, we read, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. Paul makes a point to not only say goodbye to the church in Ephesus, but to warn the elders that people are gonna come, wolves, who are gonna speak twisted things. He's warning them about future heresies. People are gonna say things that are not true and try to lead the church astray. So what are these twisted things? What are the heresies that Paul is so concerned about? Well, If you go to 1 Timothy, which Paul wrote to Timothy while Timothy was leading the church in Ephesus, you can see some of, get a glimpse of some of the things that these heretics were saying, these false teachers were saying, these wolves, these false teachers were saying that people should not marry with a, a real ascetic view of life. They said they shouldn't eat certain foods. They were very legalistic. They were also focused on Jewish myths and endless genealogies trying to explain the origin of certain men and, and talk about the hierarchy of humanity rather than focusing on Jesus. That Jesus has called each one of us to come and follow him. That Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins together. These false teachers were were taking the focuses off Jesus and they were becoming distracted. In fact, if you read Revelation, he talks about the church in Ephesus and and how the church in Ephesus, their one promise, they've forgotten their first love. They've forgotten Jesus. They've become distracted by so many peripheral things. His heresy, false teachings are dangerous. Because ultimately it distracts us from the truth of the gospel of grace. It takes, us eye, or takes our eyes off the, the life, the teachings, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Seven years ago, I was blessed to get to go to Kenya uh, on a mission trip where I had an opportunity to uh, preach at a Christian growth conference. And I was overwhelmed at the way the church in Kenya was growing. Kenya is about the size of Texas, and yet there are twice as many Presbyterians in Kenya than there are in all of the United States. There's about four million Presbyterians. They're, They're growing exponentially. And really, the greatest growth numerically is actually happening in the Pentecostal church. And so I was just blown away at how many people are coming to faith in Christ in Kenya. Well, One Kenyan pastor pulled me aside and began to explain to me that unfortunately a lot of the growth that's happening, particularly in the Pentecostal church in, in Kenya today, is because of false teachings, because of the prosperity gospel that many of these charismatic preachers are teaching. The prosperity gospel is a false gospel. It says that if we give money to God, then God's gonna bless us back. In fact, they, they often teach that, you know, God wants to bless you. He's just waiting on you to do your part. If you'll just give money to God, then God's gonna bless you. He's gonna heal you. And, and we in America, we, we saw a lot of this in the 80s and 90s with some of the televangelists who used to say, if you'll give to this ministry over TV, if you give to this ministry, then, then God's gonna bless you financially and He's gonna heal you. You just gotta believe if you want to receive. You gotta give to get back how false that gospel is. The gospel of Christ is not about what we give. It's about what he gave. He gave his life so that we might be saved. The apostle Paul lived out this sacrificial message. He, He gave his life to Jesus Christ. For Paul labored tirelessly to give all that he had to preach the gospel of grace and Paul did not die a rich man financially. Paul had plenty of faith. He gave everything he had, and yet he didn't die with great worldly wealth. History tells us that Paul actually was beheaded as a Roman prisoner under Nero. Giving money to God doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be financially rich. In our text this morning, the Apostle Paul lets the church in Ephesus know that the true blessing of God is not found in what we get, but rather what we give. Paul reminds us in verse 35, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The Apostle Paul lived these words. Once the Apostle Paul became a a follower of Jesus, he gave his life to the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul traveled throughout the Mediterranean telling others the good news about Jesus. He would spend hours arguing with the Jews in the synagogues or reasoning with the Gentiles in the public square to make sure people didn't think that he was trying to profit off the gospel. He never took a salary from a church. He, he actually had a tent-making job that would pay most of his dues or, or sometimes people would, like the church in Philippi would just give him a gift, but he never solicited that or sought that. He, he wanted his gospel not to be for money, but just simply by grace, a gift. Listen to this brief description of of Paul's life as a missionary. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 to 28. This is what Paul's life was like as as he preached the gospel. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. I mean, if I had been the Apostle Paul, I'll be honest with you, after the first whipping, you know, 40 uh, lashes minus one, that's 39, that would have hurt a lot. I may have reconsidered occupations. You know, I would have said, hey, I'm not sure about this preaching the gospel thing. This is not paying off. This is painful. But the Apostle Paul continued to press on. He kept on preaching despite the whippings and the floggings and the stoning. And he didn't do this to, to make himself financially rich. Why did the Apostle Paul continue to preach and continue to press on despite the beatings and the imprisonment and the persecution? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, Paul gives us a glimpse on why he did what he did. Paul writes, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul continued to preach because Paul knew that he was called to preach the gospel. And as Paul preached the gospel, specifically the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ that we find at the cross, he was reminded and saw that truly it is better to give than to receive. Now, these words that we find in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is better to give than receive. And Paul says, remember, Jesus told us it's better to give than to receive. They don't actually appear in any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But as John tells us, Jesus said and did so many things that there's not time to write it all. If you wrote it all down, everything Jesus said and did, there probably wouldn't be enough room for all the books that would fill the world. So it, it... regardless of whether or not it's in one of the gospels it's consistent with what jesus said and and did this idea that it's better to give than to receive it's more blessed to give than to receive after all isn't that what jesus said himself isn't that what jesus did for in mark chapter 10 verse 45 jesus says for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many Jesus generously gave his life as the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that our sins could be atoned for, so that we could be in a right relationship with God if we simply believe in him. And on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death on our behalf, and now we're promised new life if we'll simply follow him. Yes, Jesus showed us what it meant to be generous, and and as Paul would preach this message, this gospel of grace, this gospel of of self-sacrifice, he saw firsthand that it, it truly is more blessed to give than to receive you see when paul was blinded on the road to damascus many years ago he he was came to faith in christ and he humbled himself and and he believed and as we read in romans 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your lips jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved paul was saved that day his salvation was secured when he came to faith in christ but he didn't begin to experience the blessing of christ The abundant life that Christ came to bring until he began to sacrificially use his gifts in ministry. Use his gifts of teaching and evangelism, his spiritual gifts of teaching and evangelism to help spread the word, to help change lives, to help see people come to faith in Christ so their lives might be changed for all eternity. That's where the blessing was found, in giving. Giving his life so that others might be saved. In 1995, Bob Buford, a Christian businessman, wrote a book called Halftime. In this book, he talks about how the first half of most of our lives, we pursue success, financial and occupational success. But as we achieve different levels of success in our businesses, or or financially, we achieve different success, we realize that this success is often short-lived. It doesn't satisfy the way that we thought it would. And so then we begin to seek significance. And significance isn't found in getting or achieving significance is found in giving and impacting the lives of others paul learned firsthand that as he gave his life to the ministry of the gospel as he gave his life to help save others with the good news of jesus christ that's where the blessing was found how has god gifted you what spiritual gifts has god given you what time, talents, and treasures do you have that you might use, that we might use together to do the work of, of God's kingdom? In a moment, we're going to all gonna have an opportunity to turn in a commitment card, and it's an opportunity for us to make a commitment to God through the ministries of this church, saying, yeah, this next year in 2017, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this much money, but, but also, we're gonna, I'm gonna give my time and my talents to the work of God's kingdom. You can see that there's in here an opportunity to make a pledge to time and talents, to a different ministry within our church. And God has been doing some great things in the life of our church. If you read our Celebrate magazine, it's truly a celebration of of God's work in and through our lives as we give our lives to Him. If you read the very back, you see that we've we've got a budget that the vision and the plan is to give 15% to local and global missions. Because as a church, as we've seen over the last six years, as we continue to increase our missions giving, we continue to see how God is able to use us to make a difference in the lives of others. We're, We're able to see firsthand that truly it is more blessed to give than to receive. We've been able to go to places like Costa Rica and Honduras and Belize and Mexico and most recently this summer, Ireland, as we seek to be God's hands and feet. Or here locally, we're able to help refurbish an apartment complex just next to us so that the downtown women's center might have a place for women who are trying to come off the addictions of drugs and alcohol, a place where they might come, a place of refuge, a home where they might raise their children in the environment focused on Jesus Christ. Yes, the more we give, the more blessed we are. As you see how God is able to use us to be an instrument of his grace. And I'm not gonna lie to you, we have a pretty big goal for, for 2017, but I believe we can do it. If everyone will do their part, if everyone will see that God has blessed me to be a blessing, how might God use my time and my talents and my treasures to do the work of his kingdom? Because it's in giving that we ultimately will receive blessing the blessing of God as we give our lives back to him it's in gratitude for God's blessing as Abraham was blessed to be a blessing we want to be blessings in gratitude for God's blessing and his grace we believe God is calling our church to be a missional intergenerational church where grace changes everything here at the first Presbyterian church of Amarillo where grace changes everything. We are a missional church and an intergenerational church that gathers for worship every Sunday morning. My family attends the 11 o'clock traditional service and we have for generations. We love it.